that. Great. Bye, guys. Love our kids. See you later. Have fun with Jesus. So I want to thank all of you again for your patience and waiting for a place to sit. It's worth it, isn't it? Yeah? Amen? So uh, today's the fourth. We're going to just make a drive-by through Proverbs 4, and then we'll get into the message today. Proverbs 4, verses 11 and 12. I guide you in the way of wisdom and lead you along straight paths. When you walk, your steps will not be hampered, and when you run, you will not stumble. Okay. This is my city. These are my people. I've seen a lot of things in this town. Things I don't like. Bad people taking advantage of the weak. Good people down on their luck. Innocent people suffer. I talk to God a lot. Sometimes he talks back. So I ask him, when are you going to do something about all this? You know what his answer was? You wouldn't believe me if I told you. My name is Habakkuk. This is my story. So, you know, maybe you have uh, already encountered this. There are a lot of questions in life, some tough questions that you can't answer. And then maybe there's even some easy questions you answer. I thought about some of those um, things like, you know, the way people talk sometimes, it just gives me questions because I, I, I get into too much detail that I shouldn't. Sometimes Lisa says, you know, you just think too hard. Like, I, it bugs me, it bugs me that people say an alarm clock is going off when it's actually going on, right? <laughs> that just bugs me. Or like, you know, you drive on a parkway, but you park in a driveway. You've heard that before, right? I mean, that kind of stuff. But here's the one that really bugs me and um, doesn't bug me. I mean, I, could, I, get, I get sleep at night, but it just kind of like, okay, I don't get that. You know, people say, I slept like a baby. Have you ever had a baby? They're up all night long. There's no such thing. They're just, I don't, I don't know what they're thinking about. Today, we're going to be in the book of Habakkuk. And there's actually, you, you'll hear it, Habakkuk and Habakkuk have your choice. I don't care, but, but uh, we're going to be studying uh, this book for the next few weeks. And um, there was a, there's a driving question in the book of Habakkuk, and it's like this. Habakkuk wanted to know, why doesn't God seem fair? A terrific question. Why doesn't God seem fair? Maybe you've asked that question before. And in verses 2 and 3, we see uh, Habakkuk, get in, get in and ask those questions. So let's just, ta- let's just dive right in and, and see where this takes us today. Verse 2, how long, O Lord, must I call for help, but you do not listen or cry out to you, violence, but you do not save? Wow, God, what's up with that? How long? Why do you make me look at injustice and why do you tolerate Wrong. And if you take this Old Testament scripture, excuse me, this Old Testament scripture, and you fast forward to today, into our lives and into our world, you 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 look around and say, why is it that 
I see evil people around me sometimes really prosper. Things go really well for them. And good people, bad things seem to happen to them. Why is it that, you know, I work really hard and I'm honest and then there's this turkey who works with me who is always kissing up and he gets promoted? Or why is this person who is always into all this evil stuff and he lives to be 102 and here's this Christian father, a godly man, and in his 40s he gets cancer and he dies? What's up with that? Or what's up with our kids? You know, I did... I did what I thought I was supposed to do according to your word, Lord, and they're kind of messed up. And I look at this family over here, and those people aren't even invested in their children's lives, and they seem like things are coming out okay. What's up with that? I try to do what the word says to do, and financially I do the right thing, and I tithe, and I do this, and I look over at this family over here, and they're living for themselves, and I lose my job. What is going on? How come when certain people pray, you seem to answer their questions? You know, right off the bat, you move. And I just kind of flail away. I just don't understand that. Or I got these headaches and they just don't go away. Or I'm always battling with depression. Or it seems, God, like you could do something about these things, but you don't. I don't get it. What's the deal? And as we study Habakkuk, we're going to find that he asks questions just like those. And, you know, you might think as you hear those kinds of questions that, well, Habakkuk really wasn't a very committed believer to talk like that to God. And actually, I think he was incredibly in love with God. I think he had a very, very rich faith. But he, like so many people, crashed head-on into a faith wall. And the things that he saw didn't line up with the things that he believed. And it was a difficult season for him. And maybe some of you are going to be able to relate to this today. Okay, so a little bit of context first. first the, the book of Habakkuk is one of these little books. It's only a few pages just before you get to the New Testament. He's, and those books, there's, there are 12, 12 smaller books that we call the, the minor prophets. And that doesn't mean that they were less important. It just means that the actual size of the book is small. So there's nothing there about that. We don't know a lot about him. Um, he, he was a temple musician, he was a priest, he was a prophet, and a prophet uh, it was someone who would speak on behalf of God, you know, you know, say, thus saith the Lord, because they were trained in King James English. <laughs> Come on. Okay. So this book was written around 600 years before Jesus, and uh, what was going on culturally, there was a lot of violence and a lot of corruption and a lot of ungodliness, and God's people were becoming corrupt. There was problems with God's people there and, and bad people were doing very, very bad things and good people weren't doing the good things that they ought to do, kind of like today in a lot of ways in our world. And, and so God speaks to this prophet and he says, these people that I love are becoming increasingly bad and um, for your own good, I'm going to have to correct my children here. And... Uh, and he says some amazing things. He says, but to do it, I'm going to take some other people who are way worse than you guys and use them. And um, Habakkuk hears this, and he says, wait a second, what? You're going to take worse people and use them? I don't understand that. He says that. And, and that's probably maybe why his name, Habakkuk's name means to embrace or to wrestle. Now, let me, that, that word embrace means a couple things. Stand up for a second, honey. I have a hug. Mm. Great perk. <laughs> 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 she, 
She's my wife, in case you don't know me. That's, that's what the name Habakkuk means, but it might more literally mean is, hey, Eric, can I borrow you for a minute? Come on, come on. Okay, stand there. Plant yourself. Okay, put your hands on my shoulders. Come on. Are you, are you planted? Because I don't want you to end up in the third row. Are you ready? Are you ready? Did you see that embrace? That was an embrace too. And it was a wrestling embrace. That's what his name means. Habakkuk, to embrace or to wrestle. And we're going to watch this man wrestle some with God. And, um, you know, as we read through the word, what you're not going to get from this is a, um, a sitcom type of a sermon. You know what a sitcom is. is you know, a lot of shows that, that I grew up on that were favorites of mine as a kid, Happy Days, or I've heard of one called Brady Bunch, but I've never watched it, okay? <laughs> Mark and Mindy, um, Odd Couple, MASH. I mean, come on, you guys know, you know what, what, um, what a sitcom is. And a sitcom is a television show, and there's a little bit of humor, and then they would put in a little bit of tension. But at the end of 30 minutes... They would tie it all up into a nice, neat bow, and it would all be smoothed over and, and okay for next week, right? So um, every little problem would be solved, and that's kind of what you're not going to see when you read the book of Habakkuk. And I, 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 I take some risks here because I think people like sitcom sermons. They like it when you give a message and everything's all tied up nice and neat, and the Lord will tie this up, but um, um, this could be a little bit different. And... Uh, you know, I, I, I want you to know that that's not the message you get from the book of Habakkuk. In fact, you kind of get the opposite. Something that, in my opinion, actually more closely resembles real life. So Habakkuk 1.1. 1, 1. Let's just kind of start working our way through. The oracle that Habakkuk the prophet received. This word oracle is the word Massah, and it literally means an utterance a doom, or a burden. What God gave this prophet was a burden, a very burdensome message, kind of a dooming message, and a kind of a message that he said, you know, I'm not so sure I want to take this message to the people. They're not going to like to hear this. And in fact, he starts giving God a little bit of pushback. Now, as best as I can tell, of the 12 minor prophets, he's the only one who's giving God some pushback. Kind of an interesting scenario. And he kind of gets right up into God's business in the next couple of verses. And um, starting in verse 3, he says, Why do you make me look at injustice? Why do you tolerate wrong? Destruction and violence are before me. There's strife and conflict abounds. In other words, if you took it into today's, today's vernacular, he's saying things like, Come on, God. This guy is on his fourth DUI. He gets back in his car and he kills a four-year-old little boy. I don't get it. Come on, God. My head's stuck. Or, or come on, God, there's this girl who hops from bed to bed to bed to bed, gets pregnant, has, fixes it by having abortions, and my wife and I are godly, and we're trying to have children, and we can't. God, we want to have kids. What is the deal? Or, you know, your kids are just supposed to be safe, and they're in school, and some other kids wander in, and we see something like Columbine and they get out their guns and you know, 15 or 20 kids are shot. It's, it's just, you, you see those kinds of things and you, you, just, you, you just have to be wondering, come on, God, I'm struggling. What's up with that? Verse four, therefore the law is paralyzed and justice never prevails. The wicked hem in the righteous so that justice is perverted. 
In other words, from what I see, nothing seems to turn out fair. And basically, Habakkuk had three major problems with God. Let's look them over. First one, I think he's saying to God, God, you don't seem to care. You're letting all these things in the world go on. It seems like you don't care. And the second thing he says is, you aren't doing much when you could. Now, there's some respect in this statement. He's saying you could do something. You're all powerful. You could do it. I just don't know why you won't. And the third thing, the point that he seems to be making is what you are doing doesn't seem to be fair. You know, what Habakkuk is kind of saying is like, look, if I was God, I would do things a little bit differently. <laughs> now, be honest. How many of you have ever looked at things around you and thought, you know, have you ever, I, I, I would do things a little differently sometimes. Come on, be honest. I'm the only one? Yeah, come on. Okay, so it's not a trick. I'm not going to use that against you later like I do sometimes. Today I'm going to be nice about that, okay? <laughs> <laughs> but it's kind of scary to consider getting up, you know, how we would say it, getting in God's grill. It's kind of scary. I don't know how, how, how good that is to question God. What if I cross a line and somehow I've fractured respect for the Almighty? I don't want to go there. But this is sincere. I don't get this stuff. It doesn't seem right. It doesn't make sense. But I'm concerned that if I do confront God, you know, am I, am I going to have a flat tire and hemorrhoids on the way home? I mean, what's, what's going to happen to me? <laughs> have no idea what that means. But in my opinion, if you look at Scripture, I think it's absolutely fair game to question God sometimes. I'd even go further than that. I think sometimes to question God is an, is an integral part of the journey of faith that we have to go on. I think we have to sometimes because it's sincerely what's going on. I mean, read the book of Psalms sometime. Fully a third, a third of the book of the Psalms is somebody crying out to God. A full third of them. Or read the book of Job or Lamentations. And, you know, these are godly people who are crying out, God, help me. What's going on? Where are you? Or flip to the New Testament if you want, you know. And we watch Jesus, who was completely obedient to the Father in every way possible. He goes to the cross. And in that moment when our sin is put on him, you know, we were having communion. And as I was biting down on that cracker. The cracker is emblematic of the Lord's body. And you have a lot of pressure in your jaw. I don't know if you know this or not, but you crush that cracker. And every time I receive communion and I receive that, I'm thinking about how my sin is crushing upon the body, what it costs. It's amazing. Anyway, in that moment, our sin is placed upon the Lord. And in that moment, the Father has to turn away and what's the next thing that happens? Jesus says those words. God, why? Why have you forsaken? Why have you turned away? Jesus is saying those things to the Lord on the cross. In fact, you know, I think a lot of people are afraid to bring sincere questions to God. Yet sometimes it's such an important part of our faith journey to, to take those really honest questions for the God. Here's where a lot of people are. What do you do when what you see with your eyes is so different than what you believe with your heart. And that's Habakkuk's foundational challenge. So I want to take a minute or two um, with the chalkboard and 
don't normally do this, and I'm going to give credit to a guy who wrote a book named Seth Godin, and the book is called The Dip, and this is not really um, about the book so much as a concept that I got from there. So I'm, this is not how he describes this, but he describes this curve, and this is called The Dip down here. And let's, um, so I'm using this a little differently than he does in the book. But let's just say you're a person and you, um, for the first time, realize you need the Lord in your life and you get saved. And so here you are. And so what happens is all of a sudden there's this spurt of tremendous growth in your life. You're growing and learning things and, um, and God is showing up in your life and you're seeing his hand move in your behalf and, and you pray about some things and he answers those prayers and you, um, you are encouraged and you feel like you're growing and you're growing and he's answering some more prayers and um, things are going really well. Up, 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 grow. Then one day, some for some unknown reason, you stub your toe and that, that curve kind of starts to flatten off. And then you pray about something and you don't really get the answer that you want. And then somebody that you know and you love gets sick and you pray for them. And instead of getting better, they get worse. And it doesn't seem like God's answering your prayers and you're doing the things that you were doing over here, but for some reason things just get down here. And you come to this place that we're going to call a crisis of belief. It's a crisis of belief. You have this confrontation you see things around you and it, it doesn't line up with what's, what you believe and you have these questions that are building up. And typically when this happens, people go one of two directions. Sometimes people will, will say, oh, 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 I have to press through and just believe God no matter what and I can't, it's, it's an assault on my faith to pretend that God, anything's wrong here so I can't admit to God. So what do they do is they try to go right back here. That's what a lot of people do. They go into this point of denial of what's authentic and real and they kind of shallow out their relationship with the Lord because they're in a denial. Or the second thing they do is they say, you know what, God? This is not what I thought. And if you're not going to do what I thought you would do and if you're not going to be what I thought you would be, then I'm just going to go right back here. And they spurn God. Those are the two places that you see people typically go when they get to a crisis of belief. And I, I, I'm guessing that, because it got so quiet in here, that right about now, some of you are thinking of somebody, or maybe it even could be you. You got hurt, or something happened to you, or somebody did something to you, or somebody let you down, or God didn't answer a prayer. So you say... Forget this, and you spurn God. What do you do when what you see does not match up with what you believe? And when you're not sure what to think about God, you can go shallow into denial, or you can bail out, or you can take a more difficult journey and say, I don't know about what I see with my eyes, but I'm going to choose to trust God, and this is the harder journey coming up this other side. I'm going to go someplace different. And the things as you do this, they may not get better. In fact, you know, they sometimes will get worse before they get better. And things will be challenging. 
But the Lord will take you on a faith journey. And as you go, you're going to find your faith transformed to something that it could never get to if you hadn't gone through the dip at some point. I mean, um, everybody that I know who is really intimate with God, I thought this through. I, I mean, everybody who I know that is really intimate with God has at some point gone through a difficult season like that. And, you know, we get this, this, um, this scripture that, you know, I used to hate it when a preacher would stand up in front of me and say this because it, it doesn't always strike a chord with the way we feel. But, but there's this book called the Book of James and, and he challenges us. He says, consider it all joy. <laughs> when you face all kinds of trials and... Because the testing of your faith and the perseverance will build something in you, but it must finish its work so that you can be mature, not lacking anything. God may lovingly allow you to go through a season of doubt or questions or fear or insecurity or unanswered questions because he'll do something in you that he couldn't do any other way. And then you'll say, God took me through a journey shaking my foundation before he could make me any stronger. And some of you could be at that point, that crisis of belief, which is this dip, and that's Habakkuk chapter 1. And you don't know what you believe right now, and you're in the middle of that chapter, and too many people walk away from God in the middle of Habakkuk 1. Too many people do that. Chapter 1 is all about wondering, God, where are you? What are you doing? And that can be a very, very important part of our faith journey. That's where Habakkuk was. He's saying, God, you know, I don't get it. I don't understand. So let's pick back up in verse 5. And God's responding to him here. And and what God says, Habakkuk did not want to hear. Habakkuk, verse 5. Look at the nations and watch and be utterly amazed. For I am going to do something in your days that you would not believe, even if you were told. He said, look at the nations and be amazed. The, the word here is tama. It's, it's a sudden, alarming astonishment. You know, a marvel. He's knocked, knocked off. It's like, okay, this isn't something that, yeah, okay, I was expecting. No, this is amazing to him. It's gonna, he's not going to understand this at all. Verse 6. I'm raising up the Babylonians that ruthless and impetuous people who sweep across the whole earth to seize the dwelling places not their own. They are feared and dreaded people. They are a law to themselves and promote their own honor. Their horses are swifter than leopards, fiercer than wolves at dusk. Their cavalry gallops headlong. Their horsemen come from afar. They fly like a vulture swooping to devour. They all come bent on violence. So here's what God's saying to Habakkuk. Yeah, you're bad, but these guys are much worse and I'm going to use them. So now you put yourself into that story, and your answer to God is, what? I'm this, you know, I'm making these kinds of mistakes. I'm this bad. So you're going to use this bad? I don't get that. So here's the deal. What do you do when you're in the middle of chapter one? You don't know what to believe. You want to believe, but you got way too many questions. And here's the big one. Can you still be a deeply committed believer with a lot of questions. And I hope this will be really freeing to a lot of you. A deeply committed believer 
can simultaneously express questions and faith. I hope that sets you free. A deeply committed believer can still be committed and still be a bit unsure. Mark uh, chapter 9, there's this story. Um, Jesus is moving along doing his ministry, and um, there's this man whose son was demon-possessed, and um, he had gone for all kinds of help, and the disciples were unable to deliver this boy of this demon, and there was all these problems. And um, finally, the, the father gets to Jesus, and he says, Help! Help me out here! And I love what happens in this story. And Jesus, you know, he, he goes through the things he always does. And then he says to this father, do you believe? Get the answer. Verse 24. The boy's father exclaimed, I do believe. Help me overcome my unbelief. Get that? Yeah, I believe. Now, would you help me believe? I, I, I don't know. There's some shades of gray here that I'm not quite sure about. How about you? But I love this, the fact that Jesus says, do you believe? And, and, the, and, and the answer is, yeah, I do. Would you help me? I do, but I, I, I don't know. I just need you to help me believe. I, I've been, this has been hard. I've tried so many times to get my son help. This has been tough. I do believe, but my legs are wobbling here, Jesus. Help me believe. Help me. It's so sincere. And Jesus says, I'm going to take you to a place where your faith won't ever struggle with this again. But I couldn't get you there if your faith hadn't had to persevere first through this season. And God will take you through a crisis of belief. And we see where Habakkuk has simultaneous faith and questions in verse 12 through 14. He says, O Lord, Are you not from everlasting? My God, my Holy One, we will not die. Now here's a statement of faith. He's giving a statement of faith. You know, you might wipe out some stuff here, but my children and my children's children, we're going to come back, you know, so he's making the statement of faith. And then the questions come back. Oh Lord, you've appointed them to execute judgment. Oh Rock, you've ordained them to punish. Your eyes are too pure to look on evil. You cannot tolerate wrong. Why? Why then do you tolerate the the treacherous? Why are you silent while the wicked swallow up those more righteous? He's saying, God, I believe, but it's difficult. And some of you are there right now. You're in chapter one. You know, I'm not supposed to do this, but I tell you, you know, I don't have a lot. Chapter two is not going to be much better than this. You know, chapter one is about wondering and chapter two is about waiting and waiting and waiting. Chapter 3 is about this. If you continue to stick with God, you'll come to a point where no matter what your eyes see, you'll worship God, not because of what you see him do, but because who you know him to be, because of the character that you know you can lean into. So what do you do when you're in chapter 1? You Habakkuk God. You embrace God. And you wrestle if you need to. It's authentic and it's sincere and it's what he wants. It's what he wants. Here's the thing. If you embrace him, he will never let you go. He'll never let you go. Without regard to what you face today, he will not let you go. He's probably smiling. Not that that caveman thing. 
He'll never let you go. And here's the place where we want the nice sitcom ending to the message, you know, tied up nice and neat. Um, But that's not where we're going to end because sometimes all you can do when you're in chapter one is embrace God. And I'm going to stop there for now. Let's pray. Lord, I just would ask God for you to, um, first off, 